Hi, this is Dan Williams, and you're listening to the Pocket Mentors Podcast. This is a show that could not have been created without the help of all my amazing guests. They range from brand builders to therapists, from co-founders and founders to motivational speakers, from business mentors to managing directors and CEOs running their own businesses at this time. The one thing they've all got in common is that they're all facing their own challenges. They're going through the same ups and downs that you're about to experience. So they talk about their highs and lows, the journeys that have got them from A to Z, and how they've overcome all these incredible obstacles, and they've become resilient and come out stronger. They really want to share their stories with you to help you, whether or not you're creating your own business, your own brand, or if you're currently in your own business and you're facing your own challenges at this moment in time. I really believe that this podcast can help you no matter where you currently are with your life. So sit back, get on your bike, plug in your headphones, go on your run, start your cooking, whatever it is you're about to do by listening to this podcast and enjoy. Hi Wiz, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Good. I really appreciate this. Um, I don't know if you just want to start off just telling people a bit about you and like where your career started off and then where you've ended up, etc. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, my name's Wiz. I have a consultancy business for beauty brands and retailers called Wiz & Co. We work with indie brands, large established brands, retailers, um, brands of different shapes and sizes uh, on their business strategy. I suppose the overall aim is to stand out in a crowded market. Um, And yeah, we help help them scale. What would... um... Because I'm in, where I'm in the industry, um, and terms get thrown about quite a lot, and I'm just conscious there's a few of my mates that don't know the industry at all. And what does indie yeah. beauty mean? It stands for independent. Um, it's probably the hottest buzzword in beauty, but yeah, it's quite beauty specific. But I suppose one of the reasons I love the beauty industry actually is I think it leads um, it leads lots of other industries as well, and you can, you'll start to see those some of the trends that happen in beauty go across other categories as well. And I think, um, I suppose, across the whole of retail or I suppose consumer goods, there's a big rise in independent brands and people either wanting to shop local and whether it's people getting milk delivered again. It's uh, like the craft beer explosion. Yeah, 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 exactly. So craft beer is, yeah, indie brands and um, yeah, unicorn brands, they're calling them. So super successful, fast growing brands that make a billion pounds very quickly. I suppose it's every indie brand's dream. <laughs> um but yeah, there's a couple of those. <laughs> Not many, is there? Yeah. So where so, did, and where did it all start then? Is uh, well, I started my career. So after I went to university, uh, I um, went and worked at Selfridges. What did you study at university? Textile design and retail management. Oh, okay. What uh, university was that? Uh, at Birmingham, it's now called Birmingham City. Oh, okay. So um yeah it was exciting i was quite creative so i kind of followed my heart and did creativity but actually really wanted to go into a career that was i suppose business and creative which is why i specialize in retail management and buying seemed to be um yeah a good option so after being told by recruitment consultants that i'd never get a job in buying uh i went on to yeah run uh, head of buying at selfridges so (laughs) <laughs> That's insane. So, and why were they saying to you you're never going to get a job in buying at that time? Uh, because I didn't I have any work. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think it's important to share these things because 
I went on and did it. So I just went in a different direction to get there. Yeah. Um, because I didn't have any work experience, and I think it's probably a challenge with everybody is how do you get the experience if no one's going to give you the chance? Um, so I started off going in as an allocator, which in the industry is um, it's, it's managing the stock basically. So making sure you have enough of the right stock in the right place at the right time and transferring things between stores if you didn't. Yeah. Um, and that was great because it was a foot in the door to work in a buying office, which was really exciting. So I worked very closely with the buyers as part yeah. of what was called the merchandising team. And um, properly like almost premeditated, you knew you wanted to be a buyer at that yeah. stage. So it wasn't like you just started at the ground level and you just saw where it would go. You were like, blinkers on, I know exactly what I yeah. want. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it was a um, great experience. And actually, after three months, they said, oh, actually, we're restructuring, so you haven't got a job anymore. Um, but actually, that worked out well, because I moved across to buying after seven months instead of probably doing that role for 12 to 18 months. Okay. So um, that was another blessing in disguise. Um, and then, yeah, I worked across women's wear, um, men's wear. I moved to beauty and then I moved to buy buyer for luggage. Not very glamorous, but uh, was still exciting. Then I was buyer for accessories. So every girl's dream, buying handbags for a living. <laughs> um, and then I moved to, yeah, manage the beauty buying team. Wow. How old were you at that point when you were managing the team? Uh, early 30s. Oh, okay. Um, and how was the team around you? Were they older or younger or just a mixture? Uh, younger, really, yeah. Okay. Most people I mean, in buying are quite, uh, I think, quite young, quite creative. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of need to be, you need to move around quite a lot. It's very trend-led, yeah. so you need to be quite focused on uh, what's going, going on in the market. So. And was that... Because you wanted to be a buyer before you knew what buying was like. When you finally got the buying job and then the head of buying, was that like yeah. everything you imagined it to be? And were you loving it or were you like, oh, no, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be like? I don't think I thought about it that much, to be honest. The dream was always to be a buyer. That was the ultimate goal, I think. Um, and then again, I did a bit of a funny move buying luggage, which wasn't very glamorous, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the, work, end of the day, it got me then to the next level, which was good. So buying accessories, I think, was probably the pinnacle and that dream job. I was like, okay, this is it. I've made it. And I had this aim that I wanted to be a buyer before I was 30. Yeah. And I did that when I was 29. So oh, amazing. pleased with that. You always, um, have you always had goals? Do you always set goals or that was just one of the goals that you had at the time and that was it? Yeah, I think... Definitely had had goals. I think once I got to buyer, then I was like, right, I'm going to be going to run Selfridges. <laughs> so <laughs> they've been quite advanced goals, but why not? Uh, big blue sky. So I just wanted to climb as high as possible. And I suppose what I thought was corporate at that stage. Yeah. And then I've definitely pivoted. So it's interesting what, uh, yeah, what different things come up. And then, so what prompted the change from that when you were doing the job that you were doing to then... Uh, so did you when I, for 12 years or? 12 years yeah which is a long time I got to six years and I was like this is longer than I've been at a, at a school and yeah. then I got to 10 years and I was like wow it's 10 years did you get and, anything for being there for 10 years uh yeah small gift champagne oh, okay. and, a, and a voucher oh nice so that was nice um 
and lots of people are in it selfridges for a very long time yeah. which is is nice so i've got some some of my best friends still work there which is great or have worked there um so yeah i just thought what next if i don't am i going to stay here forever which yeah. i kind of knew i didn't want to do but i didn't know what else to do so you can definitely get comfortable to... can't you when you're yeah when you're doing what you're doing okay and i'd moved around a lot i'd had so many different roles there i think i'd had seven in 12 years which is a lot of moving around so although it felt like I'd been in one company that it's it's such a fast moving company and constantly evolving there's so many new projects there is a lot of change so on reflection that's I suppose quite entrepreneurial in a way um which is what I enjoy about my uh my business now is the is the variety yeah so um so yeah I then went and worked for brands after Selfridges because I didn't want to go to another retailer okay and what, what brands did you work with after? So I went to Soho House where they have a couple of retail brands, Cowshed, which is obviously beauty that I know well. And they were launching an interiors range when I joined called Soho Home. Um, so that was launching that into uh, new dis- distribution channels. So we launched that with uh, Liberty and Mr. Quarter, uh, John Lewis and Anthropology. So that was really exciting, I suppose, to set a distribution strategy with uh, a new product range. Did it help you be in, now you're on the brand side, did it help being a buyer previously? Because that's always something that I've, um, Yeah. that's the one, I don't have many regrets, I don't think really, but I've always really been on the account management sales side. Yeah. And I've never had that experience of buying and I think that would really help. So did it help you? Yeah, it definitely helped me understand, I suppose, challenges that brands have. Um but then I understand the buying side as well. I, yeah. I mean, I was at Selfridges um, leading the buying team there. There's about 500 brands. If you think about the Fragrance Hall, the Main Beauty Hall, all of the indie brands and the services. Uh, when I was there, there was two buyers and three people beneath them across the two. So we had a team of, uh, yeah, a very small team, kind of like five or six people. So to manage that amount of brands. So... Although I was sat on the other side of the table, I knew why those buyers were ignoring all of our emails. Yeah, because yeah, sure. They just can't get through them. So it's um, yeah, it, I'm really glad I've I've experienced both. Um, it's interesting. And then, so what is it that? So how, and how long were you working with Soho House and other brands for? Was that um, just for eighteen months? And then, yeah, I decided I. Uh, really missed the variety of working with lots of different brands I suppose I was exposed to almost every uh, big brand in the industry's strategy and what their plans and goals were Um, that's fascinating yeah it it really was and Selfridge is such an important account for those for a lot of those big brands it was often their number one account globally which was hugely exciting so and Although you're in Selfridges and they could take lots of money, it's ultimately the most competitive place um, ever because it's a beauty playground and you're competing with all these other counters that are right next door to you. So I kind of realised I was actually working with these brands quite closely and they'd come and say, we've got this new product launch, we want to launch it with you exclusively. How can we launch it? And they'd come up with, I suppose, part of an idea and then we'd always kind of co-create a way to make it much stronger because I suppose I had the knowledge of what really worked, what really uh, made the customers tick and what they wanted. Yeah. And then we could, uh, I suppose, work together and execute that within Selfridges. So I suppose that's what's led me into working with, 
either big established brands on helping them stand out and get that cut through. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about how you engage with the customer. Um, but also I know from working with lots of indie brands and Selfridges, the importance of standing out there and how to get spotted by buyers. So I can, and I've got the skills, obviously I know how everything works so I can help them yeah. on the business side and how to grow. So when you were, you were like working at your last job, how did you then, this is what I always find really interesting. What did you suddenly decide one day, right, I need to do my own thing or had you started already thinking, Oh, I'm going to, I quite fancy doing something on my own. And then you started something happening or was it like a clean break? Was there a catalyst or anything? Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the role just, it wasn't right. So I was just like, what do I do next? So I suppose it's just, it was a period of time of kind of thinking things through and then looking at full-time jobs, networking with lots of people. Um, my partner does consultancy, so he was really integral to helping me, um, I suppose, how to structure and think about consulting. Yeah. And actually, I saw one of my old suppliers from Selfridges, and he said, look, do you want to help? I can give you a consultancy project. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thought we were just having a coffee. And I was a bit like, okay, let's do this. Nice. So, so, net, like networks, again, it's like people you know you've yeah. met over the years. That's been something that I think, every single person that I've chatted to something's happened because and at the yeah. time of knowing them they had no idea they'd ever get involved or do anything remotely mm. together or anything like that so ah yeah. so that was your first oh consultancy role yeah brilliant so yeah I suppose learn on the job but yeah with the support of my partner which has been amazing um because you start and yeah how it's there's just yeah a bit of a minefield at first because you know how to do your job, but how do yeah. you, I suppose, um, position that or charge for it or put a scope of work together and what are the deliverables? And yeah, there's lots of interesting elements to it. So, uh, Ben, how long have, have you been doing? So, Wiz and Co. That's the website and the company name, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Wiz and Co. Um, so, I've been doing it for about two and a half years now. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and then, so how did you start? To, like, because it's all you're selling your time and experience aren't you so how do you go about putting a value on that i mean that was one of my hardest um things actually i mean having been a buyer i've done some really advanced negotiation work and yeah used to be tough yeah tough to negotiate with um and yeah you couldn't squeeze much out of me but <laughs> <laughs> when and you had to be that was that yeah. was your job and you had very um uh, yeah strict KPIs so you had to negotiate hard um, and yeah then when it became talking about I suppose my value and my business everything was suddenly really personal and it was really hard um, to negotiate or to talk about money so that was I found that quite I was quite surprised by that um, so it's definitely something I then had to work on and overcome. Okay and did a lot of people I've spoken to especially from a consultancy initially in the early days they found themselves rather than overvaluing themselves or, or even what they're worth they found that they were undervaluing yeah and really underestimating the amount of time that would go into yeah. to working on a project and delivering a project did you find that difficult initially uh, actually I was almost the flip of that which was interesting because again I'd had my partner's advice on that yeah. one and how to understand 
my value and how to kind of quantify things. So I suppose I haven't, didn't have that challenge, but I certainly over delivered on projects. Um, okay. And I suppose in that way, undervalued my time. Oh, okay, um, that's interesting. And why were you, do you think that's just because you were really involved in what you were doing and you love it and you're passionate. So you just threw yourself hook, line and sinker. In. Yeah, different, different variables and different occasions really. So yeah, sometimes that uh, underestimating time is, is definitely one um or maybe not in early days not quite having a the scopes or the deliverables quite set out enough um but yeah you learn something each time i think you learn you're constantly learning throughout your whole life so um i'm sure uh, every industry you're in is the same but i'm only talking about this one because we're all in the same industry a lot of the people i'm chatting to are with um, a lot of people at certain times tend to go into a consultancy or they have a bit of like a dalliance into it and they get give it a crack. How you're clearly being very successful. How do you stand out? Like, because there's so many people I've, I've personally, like I've come across quite a few and I couldn't tell you why, sir, other than carrot, um, the actual personalities. Yeah. But I only get to know the personalities once I've had a meeting with them and had a, a chat with mm -hmm. them. So how do you stand out like above and beyond all the other consultants that, out there again it's a challenge um it's about your network uh i think i was in a great position because i do have a big network from selfridges i mean having working with about 500 brands at one time lots of people knew who i am, know who i am right. and i've been very lucky that um through networking a lot and i put a lot of effort into networking and i suppose um keeping my my name out there um most of the work I've had has come to me directly, which has been great. And uh, now I'm at a point where I'm really focusing on my personal branding. I'm about to um, rebrand the business, which actually when this goes live, it will, will be there already. Um, so you'll see new visuals coming out, a brand identity. Um, I'm doing a lot more around digital marketing, uh, a lot more of public speaking and talking. So there's so many different variables. And I think it's the same if you're a brand and you need to stand out ultimately as a consultancy business i suppose i am the brand so yeah it's about my reputation how i position myself and Especially what people say, say behind me behind my back i think yeah. is ultimately um the key and so what network what sort of events do you go to i know you do like the, the speaking but i just wanted to touch on the, what events you do go to for networking uh, all sorts really um i suppose definitely beauty industry ones yeah. uh, i'm a patron of the British Beauty Council okay. uh, which is a great organization uh, for people to, um, to sign up to their emails if they don't have them. Um, I'm a member of CEW Cosmetics Executive Women so I go to quite a lot of their events uh, which are really interesting um, and then all sorts of events really um, just seeing things on LinkedIn um, if I've had, I suppose, lulls where things have been a bit quiet, a quiet week or something, I'll just look on Eventbrite and I'll search retail or search beauty yeah. or search a topic. And I've just gone to some random ones, really. That's a good um, idea. I've seen quite a few. Well, I've actually attended quite a few that I've been, that I've seen on Eventbrite. Something yeah. I always forget to have a look at, actually, if I'm thinking of doing one. So I need to remember yeah. that If you're feeling inspired and you've got some time, it's a, yeah. I just type in a topic and so many things come up. Great idea. Um, and yeah, my do network as well, networking. people invite me. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
I love, know people yeah, I love I like the networking definitely like that part and, and chatting and meeting people yeah the um, the other bit though the fa- that I do find in, intriguing is the public speaking bit you're doing that is that something you enjoy doing yeah I do I think because I used to be very shy as a child and I think I I enjoy it now because I uh, when I was younger I thought I would never have been able to do that okay um so yeah i've been that's been my focus yeah for for this year actually was to get more public speaking um, over the past couple of years you've always enjoyed it i'm curious because i hate public speaking and um, i'd say i've never been a shy person and i don't mind being loud and boisterous but i'm more it's kind of like when it's on my terms a little bit and when Mm. suddenly i've got to go up there and talk in front of people i'm definitely royally out of my comfort zone so yeah. you and you get on stage and you enjoy it and you yeah i like putting myself out my out of my comfort zone yeah. and that's one of the ways of doing it really um yeah i mean i agree to it i plan for it i get real butterflies before i do it but yeah. you come off stage and there's an amazing buzz did you do um, a lot of planning with it uh more i do more so now um i did some before when I was at Selfridges and I kind of just stood up and talked, winged yeah. it a bit because it wasn't as important. Whereas now it's my business and um, yeah, I definitely prep a lot more now. And you rehearse it quite a lot. Yeah, I think it's yeah. important too. Yeah, I read a great book, um, Talk Like Ted, okay. which is about TED Talks, yeah. um, which is a brilliant read and actually really helps you structure, I think, any presentation you're doing, yeah. um, even if it's a strategy document, it's... Um, it's about breaking things down into threes. So it's re- that was really useful about how people, um, I suppose, listen to a message as well. And what there's only so much that people can listen to as well. So, Yeah, with some of the most fascinating people. I love TED Talks, by the way. Mm. I watch them all the time. But I find, I, I subscribe, I've got it on my TV, and I can absolutely get lost for hours, though, like TED Talk after TED. And it doesn't even matter what the subject is, because some of them are just incredible. But... Um, all the best ones are these storytellers, aren't they? Where they're literally giving, I don't know, an anecdote or they're telling a story all the way through it. And I've been absolutely gripped. So I've got that same book that you just talked about, but oh, one I haven't actually read yet. And it's probably because I don't want to put myself out there and get out. I don't mind putting myself out of my comfort zone when it's something I'm excited about doing. I think that's mm. the one I'm... I can get up and talk in front of people within the company and stuff like yeah. that, but I think... It's probably more that you, having the confidence in what you're talking about, isn't it? I think that would be the the piece for me. Oh, okay, yeah. amazing. Sure what, have been, what have been the real, um, if you've got any actually, it sounds like you're smashing it, but have there been any big challenges since you started doing your, your own thing that you've really struggled with? Yeah, definitely lots of challenges, which... That's what I think that's what I love about consultancy is like almost a week is like a not quite a year, but it's like a really long period of time. So much changes in it, which is what I like. And so you learn so much quicker. Um, I think you can't, it's quite hard to plan your income, which is a challenge, mm-hmm. certainly when you're building a business and uh, consistency. Um, and yeah, I suppose I think the balance of networking versus work as well and output because yeah. you of course can get a big new project which is great but you've 
constantly got to be thinking about what's coming next. So you need to keep feeding that momentum, I suppose, which is interesting. Um, and also, I really enjoy what I do. I love retail. I love beauty brands. I love how it's being disruptive. But that means it's really hard for me to switch off. So yeah. that work-life balance versus, um, yeah, just uh, yeah, managing time. And that was exactly what I was just about to on. ask you saying that because it sounds like you'd get leads coming in. And I was the question about time management is key because because you love what you're doing. What if you and because you're in consultancy and every project's got a lot of value you're going to be doing long days at times, aren't you? So do you ever get to a point where you're having to say no to things or you just find more hours? If it's the right project, you just find more hours in a day. Yeah, I have just been finding more hours and I also work with other people as well. So for me, I love, but it's not about me having my own business and doing everything myself. It's really about collaborating with others. So when I get a big project, I really enjoy working with other specialists in different oh, okay. areas so um i suppose for me to lead them and they help kind of execute things um so within your business of... it is just you yeah so it's me and then i have um, a virtual team okay and um, i work with and then also on key projects i'll bring specialists in as well uh, so what the vir what's the virtual team uh, so I have somebody that helps me with my marketing, somebody that helps me with my online courses, um, somebody that helps me with kind of with general admin. Um, I then and have somebody full time, or are they like retainers? Sorry, I keep no, it. they're they're part time. Okay. So yeah, I think lots of so many people freelance now. It's quite easy to be flexible yeah. with based on which I've really enjoyed based on I suppose um, how busy you are, and then you can really ramp things up when you have other projects on. Um, and I did a big project recently, which was um, about a big fragrance company and brand positioning um, for them in the UK. Um, so I worked with somebody who was a PR specialist because I knew they would really understand branding. So when I had another big project on, she was able to help with that big project and kind of work alongside me. Um, so. And so I was, when you mentioned freelancing, I was listening to a podcast the other day when they were talking about an interview with a guy called Seth Godin. Yeah. And um, he was talking about freelancing and really raving about it. It's kind of what he does on the flip side versus the entrepreneur. And he was saying to be successful as a freelancer, you'd only need about 20 clients, like maximum, because mm -hmm. obviously your time and everything else. But if you've got 20, so if you were to go into freelancing and you, you're selling your own skill set you probably don't have to worry about finding like hundreds and hundreds of clients you just need to find the right 20 <laughs> i think yeah. it is but even then that's easier said than done so then when you get a project then and you realize you've got a gazillion other things that don't hit um your exact skill set you've got other people that you can call upon from the industry yeah or people that i know have got the same skill set as me so we can expand so uh -huh. one of the big things for me with networking not only with um, with clients, potential clients, um, was also networking with other people that do freelance or consultancy as well. Um, so it's almost getting to know them and how they worked, what yeah. their skill set was, was it comp and it being complementary to mine, um, and also people that can execute things as well is really important. Amazing. So what and what do you love best? Just the fact that you work a varying amount of different. 
Yeah, I, the variety and um, just the way beauty is so fast paced. And I just, I love knowing everything that's going on. And I suppose being ahead of the trends um, and can see how I think uh, it's being led by the customer and what consumer yeah. behavior is, I think it's really interesting because that's why these independent brands are scaling so quickly because uh, customers really want a brand that resonates with their own brand values yeah. and they can connect with them very quickly over social media and, and purchase. So a lot of barriers to entry have um, been broken down over the last five years. And do you look at brands that resonate with you and have the same core values as like what you work towards or is, you're essentially you're just open to other brands out there and you might sometimes think, Oh, that's not really a brand for me, but it's, you still find it interesting to work with them anyway and just see a different. Yeah. And I can generally see opportunity in most brands. And actually I remember when I was, I was buying accessories, I think one of the most interesting brands I bought was Juicy Couture at the time. It was not my taste, but almost made it easier to buy because I could picture that customer and picture that pink velour tracksuit. And I was like, which one's got the most diamantes on? Great, we'll, we'll buy the most of those. Oh, okay, um, amazing. So actually sometimes it's easier to, um, to think about things I, I find, and maybe that's my experience as a buyer for many years, is you always think about the customer. It's not about what I like. Yeah. Um, it's about who the customer is and who you're, I suppose, making that product or brand for. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree that it's easier. If I'm ever working with brands and we're chatting through where they want to be and what they want to do, if they've got a really clear idea of who their customer is and they can describe them to a T, I much prefer working with those guys because it's, it just yeah. makes things a lot simpler rather than going on this random yeah. little walk all around the place. So how are you finding it now at the moment with everyone? Because obviously networking is huge for you and mm -hmm. events and speaking. And everyone's on lockdown. So how is yeah. that having an impact on you at the minute? Are you finding I'm actually really enjoying it because it's forced me to chill out a bit, which I've definitely been needing to do. Um, <laughs> you look actually... really chilled out anyway. <laughs> you're not normally like this. Is this because you're... No. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I am. I, people say I often look calm on the outside, but I think yeah. on the inside, it's my mind's going 20 million times. <laughs> um but actually, I think you can see I'm still chatting to people, still connecting. Yep. I mean, we're doing this digitally, which is great. Whereas I think before, um, yeah, you just meet everyone and then it takes ages to get in the diary. And so I think actually you can maximise your time a bit more effectively um, and, yeah, prioritise or just squeeze a little, little bit more well, in. So. I'm really finding that at the moment. Normally, I completely agree. When you're trying to set up a meeting with someone to have an initial chat about a project or, or anything, even if it was something like this, normally I'd meet someone for a coffee and then, but or a, or a drink, and then you're looking at diaries, and it never really yeah. works properly. But now everyone's got this time on their hands, it seems. So tomorrow at ten o'clock, like the yeah, amount of cool. responses that tend to be like that, and still this face to face. The flip side as well, a lot of people at the moment were talking on the phones, but people are much more happy just to connect via zoom or facetime yeah. or whatsapp now everyone else used to think i was a bit of a weirdo because all the teams at work i used to constantly just facetime them they're like why are you facetiming me and now it's like i've been preparing you for this moment yeah oh. no, i think it's it's good it's gonna uh, hopefully create some new ways of working for people um for sure
yeah, there'll be loads of opportunities that come from that, won't there? Mm-hmm. So how would, if, if you resonate with people, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, my website, um, which is uh, wizandco.com, wiz, W-I-Z-Z, uh, no H. And yeah, Instagram, I put a lot on Instagram, and a lot of link- on LinkedIn. So my Instagram handle is wiz.and.co. Um, so yeah, just connect through there, DM me. Um, sign up to my emails because that's where I communicate most things about events that are coming up and uh, blogs that I write or videos that I do. So, uh, do you, I, I was I was almost going to end it prematurely. Then. So the blogs that you write, how do you get inspired to write certain blogs? Uh, it's what comes into my head, really. Um, I yeah have lots of ideas, so it's mainly focused on what will help brands. So. Uh, yeah, during obviously it's during lockdown at the moment, so I quickly wrote one on how to um, uh, how to think about your digital presence. So I think it's been quite an interesting time. Um, people have either been great at digital or don't know what to do, and I think a lot of people have been worried about it. So I wrote yeah. a blog about some action steps to do that. Um, yeah, so retail strategy, how to pitch to buyers, um, the importance of content and communication. And how ultimately how things can lead to sales. So, are you vlogging as well, or just blogging? Ah, oh, I've recorded my first um, videos this week, so oh, okay. how was that? they'll be live by the time this goes live. So yeah, starting YouTube. So I'm really ramping up all of the digital things at the moment. So, and is that do you find that different to public speaking? Even though you're because you essentially you are going to be talking to a lot of people, but yeah. you're essentially just chatting to yourself. I, again, yeah. I know loads of people that are really comfortable doing that, and again, that does that's not com- that's why I like doing this because I get to just chat with people. But you, you found that comfortable? No, not <laughs> oh, really. I find that really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you find that harder than public speaking? Yeah, I mean, at first I procrastinated about over it for about three months and doing bits and pieces and. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. I think it's once you start doing things as well, you get used to it, don't you? So the more you do things, the easier it gets. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I'll get better. But it's still <laughs> a bit, it's still a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep contemplating doing that myself. But um, not yet. The podcast thing is the one that's actually taken me absolutely out of my comfort zone. Yeah, it's brilliant. Done a great that's job. why I put that on LinkedIn just to mm. my hand and make me do it. So exactly. people like you are making it easy, to be honest, with. So thanks so much. And no, thanks for coming you. on today. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. I'll put it on there and I'll share some links so people can get in touch with you if they want to as well. Fantastic. Cool. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.